Hello, and welcome to the Senior Detectives Podcast, a cozy corner to talk about mysteries of all kinds. I am Hannah. And I'm Lauren. Today we will be covering Nancy Drew, The Legend of the Crystal Skull. It is a video game. And just so you know, spoiler warning, we are going to be talking about all of the game. Big spoilers. Big spoilers, which also means I'm sure there's a Nancy Drew book about the legend of the crystal skull. So if you that's on your to-do list too, then go read that first. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <clears throat> we'll start today by reading Nancy's case notes for this case that she's working on. Or I guess it's not even really a case yet. She doesn't know that it's going to be a case, so she's just like telling you about her trip. <laughs> I guess, Anyways. yeah, it's like a dear diary kind of a moment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Current assignment. What assignment? Bess and I are flying to New Orleans for a fabulous long weekend of music, sightseeing, and food. Okay, so I'm also going to visit Ned's friend Henry Bolet, but only as a favor to Ned. Apparently, Henry's uncle just died, and he had to go down there for a couple of weeks. Ned says Henry is a nice guy, but kind of a loner who might appreciate the company. So the first thing I'll do is leave Bess at our hotel in the French Quarter and take a cab out to the mansion where Henry's staying. Ned called him and said I'd be coming, but once that's done, it'll be laissez les bon temps rouler. Sorry. <laughs> that means let the good times roll in French. The only bad thing is the weather's not supposed to be that great this weekend. But what's a little stormy weather when you're in the heart of the Big Easy, right? That's It's an opening. A, a weekend yes. in New Orleans. Yes. <laughs> Such a good setting. I love yes, it. Yes, it is really good. Um, if you're at all unfamiliar with Nancy Drew... Um, She's a like a teen sleuth that, you know, she doesn't usually get assigned cases. It very right. much stumbles across them, that sort of a situation. <laughs> this is a uh, prime example of that. <laughs> yeah, where she's just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to New Orleans. And then, of course, something falls into her lap. But uh, there is a whole like series of 30 plus video games that are like point and click style where you, you know, solve puzzles and snoop around and they're good fun. So we're going to be covering Crystal Skull today, which, yeah, is uh, set in Nolens. Nolens, which is very close to where we both grew up. So we're pretty familiar with it. Yeah, it, it was fun to like to be in a Nancy setting in a Nancy game that I'm like familiar with a little bit, yeah. you know, to a certain extent. Yeah, it is pretty cool. And they do a pretty good job of capturing New Orleans, I think. I think they do, too. Yeah. The, like, general vibes and ambiance of this game is so good. I think it's, like, top of the top ambiance when it comes to Nancy games. It just really nails the, like, it's, like, storming the whole time. Mm -hmm. You're there. So that's very atmospheric. And then, you know, but there's this, like, faint jazz music playing all the time and it's so good it is so good yeah actually when the game starts they don't do this for any other nancy drew game that i can remember they give you a warning at the beginning of the game to play in the dark oh yeah yeah i guess just Um, because it's a really dark game but it's like so atmospheric yeah it, it really does capture and it it gives the same feeling you feel like you're like sitting out on a like a balcony in new orleans and it's raining and you can like hear a jazz band mm-hmm. playing down the street and so it's just uh, it's such it's such a good feeling yes but yeah this game opens 
with quite a banger. I feel like there's only one other Nancy game I can think of that opens with quite this much of like an event, but you, <laughs> you get dropped off by that cab in front mm. of the Bolay mansion. Nancy walks in and immediately <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shit goes down. <laughs> she sees a man dressed in a skeleton costume. They're wearing regular clothes, but the face is a skeleton mask. Mm-hmm. And he looks, he, she, the skeleton person looks at her, like throws a smoke bomb at her feet. Nancy gets knocked out. Yeah, immediately. immediately. <laughs> Just like 15 seconds into the game, Nancy's unconscious. <laughs> <laughs> It's very funny, um, but it's very interesting. I, I It definitely like hooks you right away. Yes, for sure. Yeah. And then when she wakes up, there's just like this woman standing over you with like a <laughs> New Orleans accent. And she just <laughs> hands you this glass of green liquid and she's like, drink this. Yeah, she immediately <laughs> tries to in my opinion, poison us. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's, it's not poison, but we don't know that for sure. <laughs> and Nancy's like, um, no. <laughs> no I don't know who you are. <laughs> and or then what it, that is. Right. And you ask her what's in it. And she's like, just something I whipped together. She does not tell you what's in oh, it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely not. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this woman's name is Renee. She Renee. is the housekeeper mm-hmm. and like groundskeeper sort of person uh, for the Bolay mansion. For Miss, she works for Mister Bolay, who the recently passed Mister mm-hmm. Bolay. Yeah, and when you ask her why she's still there, even though Mister Bolay has passed, she says it's because she was painted in Vance and she likes to fulfill her obligations. Which just sounds like a load of hooey. Right away. You're like, yeah. okay, lady. Sure. Sus. <laughs> yeah. So I think the next person we meet, so she, you know, she welcomes us, kind of gets us set up and is like, yeah, you can go talk to Henry. He's in the study. Uh, and she goes off back to her potting shed. And so, yeah, then you go meet Henry Bole, who is uh, the the young nephew who has inherited the Bole estate some of it. Yeah. Yeah, some of it. And is uh is is in charge with I guess he's inherited he's inherited the responsibility of like dealing yeah. with the estate. He's the executor right. of the estate, which how he I feel like isn't that a lawyer's job? How did he end up with that? Uh no, executors can be um in- individual people. It's just the person you put in charge of getting all of your affairs settled after Huh. Your death and who, you know, who makes sure that your will gets provided to like a lawyer. I mean, lawyers are definitely involved and I think it can be a lawyer, but it also can be just, you know, someone you Anyone. trust. Huh. Okay. I mean, poor dude, though, like he's up to his eyeballs in shit because Henry, I'm sorry, not Henry, um, Bruno Bole, the man that had passed, his house is like filled to the brim of oddities Yes. Like tons of collector's item antiques. Yeah. And Henry is tasked with, you know, making sure that it's all dealt with accordingly and that the estate is split up to, you know, the appropriate people. I think he is supposed to inherit like 30% of it himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wrote it down. It's 30% Henry, 30% Mr. Bolay's friend, Dr. Buford, who we'll meet later, 
30% of Our Lady School of Dentistry and Cosmetology. Um, I guess that's where Mr. Bollet went to, Dr. Bollet went to school. And then 10% actually goes to Renee, the housekeeper. Right, Which I think is a little strange. Yeah, (laughs) it's weird, but maybe she was with him for a long time or something. I don't know. So yeah, he's very stressed out and... um, He's like a young guy, like early 20s, I would guess, and suddenly is Mm -hmm. dealing with like managing an entire estate and and figuring out how to make sure all that happens appropriately. So we talked to him a little bit and they, you know, basically say like, all right, well, yeah, just have a look around. And uh, Nancy, Henry basically (laughs) tells her. All right, well, you've come and checked on me like Ned asked you to, (laughs) and I'm fine. You can leave. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's such a so-so reason to one of, like, spoiler alert, I really like this game, but one of the big holes for me is Nancy's reason for being there because you talk to Ned and he's like, oh, well, I'm not actually that good of friends with Henry. I don't even actually know him that well. But I just wanted you to go see how he is. It, right, it just it's weird. like falls flat for me. And then even Henry is like, why are you here? Yeah, like if, if I had a friend and they were like, oh, you're going to this city? Will you like stop in and go see this person that I like kind of know and just check on them? I would be like, no. Um, just no. call and check on them. Like, I don't, <laughs> you I don't, do no. it. No. Yeah. yeah. Why is that my yeah. responsibility? And then it would make me so uncomfortable. Yes, I totally agree. And then when he's like, okay, I'm good. You can go. She's like, Mm-mm, nope, I can't go. Someone knocked me out and I have to find out who it is. <laughs> she just straight up, this man's like, you can leave my house now. And she goes, no, <laughs> I will not be leaving. <laughs> So it yeah, ends that's up whole, that she gets stuck there. Staring. It ends up that she tries to call a cab, and because of the storm that is happening outside, she cannot leave anyway. Yeah, it's not so much her reason for staying as much as her reason for being there in the first place that is weird. Yes, right. So, yes. But anyway, so <laughs> Nancy refuses to leave, and they're like, I mean, all right, whatever. Just do your thing then. Uh, I'll be working. <laughs> And so she, you go off and wander and explore like the grounds, um, mm-hmm. which this mansion is adjacent to a very large cemetery. Yes, it's very creepy. Like there's tons of different little cemetery blobs that you can walk to. There's like a bunch of different mausoleums with, you know, clusters of of graves in them. Mm-hmm. that you can you can travel to and there's also like a, a big garden attached to the estate uh so lots to explore in this one and again it's all atmospheric nancy's just walking around in the rain for yes. a good like 70 percent of this game yes yes <laughs> just in <laughs> the pouring rain it's soaking wet there's like even a puzzle at one point where i swear she would have to be out there for hours yes she's just walking around in the mm-hmm. Thunder and lightning, cabs won't even come get you, storm. Yeah. <laughs> this is the sort of storm where in New Orleans, like, power would be out, like, mm-hmm. trees would be flying power past. Power is out in the <laughs> mansion. 
Oh, that's right. The power is out. Yeah. yeah. There's like lanterns, like lamps and stuff, like oil lamps on and stuff. Yeah. The mansion is creepy, but also like weirdly very homey. Yeah. It's like sections of it are very cozy and warm. Like the room that Henry is in, yes. the study, has like these big bookshelves all around. And it's very, it's like a cozy, like office study kind of room. It's very warm in there. But then the next room over is like the sitting room, I guess you would call it. Yeah. And it's also cozy, but like also creepy. Like there, I can't put my finger on why that room puts me off, but like, it's just a little creepy in there. There's like a whole bunch of portraits on the wall, which is Mm -hmm. never like something I really enjoy. Yeah. And they're creepy portraits. Right. Like they're not. yeah, Yeah. It's very, it's a very haunted mansion sort of vibe in that room specifically. Yeah. It's a big room. There's a model scale of all the cemeteries as well as a ledger, like a big book of everyone that is buried there. Right. Like, Which really that's... adds to the yeah, the creep factor. It's like, <laughs> here's a giant book of every person buried in the cemetery and, and an actual model of the cemetery, like on display. In the living room. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah, the vibes are a little off in there, but in the study, it's nice for sure. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, so out in the cemetery as you're walking around, you, there's like an old gothic mausoleum that's actually like a closed off building that you can enter, uh, which mm-hmm. Nancy, of course, discovers is locked. Of course. Yeah. There's some like etchings on the front of this mausoleum that Nancy can't quite make out. So she's like, oh, we need a charcoal and paper. So we need paper. And then. <laughs> OK, <laughs> so we ask Renee for paper. Could Nancy not have found paper anywhere else in the house? She I know, has like, to like you do can go chores. ask Henry for paper. He's literally sitting in an office, seemingly yeah. full of paper. <laughs> I think there's even a printer in yeah. the office. Just get some paper from there. <laughs> right. Nobody will give us paper. Uh, and Renee ends up actually giving us the key to her room upstairs in the mansion. Uh, and says like, oh, there's some paper up in my bedroom. You can go get it, but you have to bring me back a chocolate bar. Yes. Oh. Hot take. Renee is a huge stoner. Yeah, I was I totally forgot when we st- <laughs> when I started playing again. I was like, oh, right. This woman's definitely a stoner. <laughs> She's definitely got the munchies. She's always stoned. <laughs> She's yeah, she acts stoned. She spends all of her time in the game in the potting shed. And when you like ask her about the potting shed uh, and like what sort of stuff she grows she she just says, oh, I'm in constant need of herbs, so I grow them in pots. And I was like, okay, sure, <laughs> lady. Very evasive about right. what she's doing. <laughs> and Nancy, yeah, Nancy says, oh, yeah, it's always great to have fresh herbs for cooking. And she goes, I don't use the herbs for cooking, darling. <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh, she's definitely smoking that. <laughs> oh, I think it's a reference to her spirituality but i like to think that she's just getting high right it's a personal (laughs) it's not canon that she's a stoner i mean this is a game for children but i personally yes it's a theory i have because yeah she sends you up to her room and she's like oh yeah grab a chocolate bar for me and bring it back down and she has like her entire nightstand is 
full of chocolate oh, bars. It's got to be like a hundred or more chocolate bars. There are so, so many in there. And I'm like, she, yep, she just <laughs> needs them right at the ready all the time. But she, which, by the way, her room is it's a horrible place it's to creepy. be. It's, it's yes. the whole upstairs of this house is awful. Yes. Accurate. Yeah, you walk into her room and there's like there's one cozy corner that's got like her vanity and some like cute little botanical prints on the wall. Mm-hmm. That's fine. But then like she has a, a whole she has a creepy ass wardrobe. She has a big giant yes. trunk in the corner next to the doll sitting in a rocking chair. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is a trope, but, like, it's a trope for a reason because it's creepy as shit and nobody needs that in their bedroom. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And then you keep panning and you get to this one wall that has a giant, like, cut down the middle of it where the beams behind the wall are exposed. And she has written in red paint, I can assume, these symbols on the wall. It looks Mm -hmm. like blood. I think yeah. that's what you're meant to assume. It's absolutely horrifying. Right. From an outsider perspective where you don't recognize the symbols, you're like, oh, she's summoning demons. <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's 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 definitely summon, <laughs> summoning some demons in here. Yeah. Which is wild. Like I thought to myself when we discovered them, I was like, how are we discovering these so soon in the game? Mm, yeah. It's almost immediately that you're like, oh, my God, you seem like a crazy lady she's evil <laughs> are you okay <laughs> yeah. but yeah you go you ask her about it and she's like oh no it's there's an evil spirit in that wall you see and uh-huh. it was talking to me um <laughs> so i wrote out some hoodoo words on the wall to prevent the spirit from being able to get me and to talk to me uh-huh. <laughs> you're like okay <laughs> oh that's not better <laughs> is that all is is that what it is? It's not. You, that's your not wall better, is ma'am. possessed. <laughs> yeah. So I did a little research on the difference between hoodoo and voodoo because I, I guess I had heard of the word hoodoo, but I just always thought it was the same as voodoo. So this comes from medium.com. And basically voodoo is a belief system and a mindset, like kind of like a religion where they believe that there's a God, but it's very hands-off God. And most of your life is instead shaped by spirits. Um, and there are good and bad spirits. And it's meant, it's used to like heal yourself. Um, and whereas okay. hoodoo is like, it used to be a type of voodoo, like fell under the umbrella, but it's kind of become its own thing. Where it's the actual practice of magic. Um, and it's independent of religion and it's basically meant to improve your daily life through supernatural connection. Interesting. Okay. Both are prevalent in New Orleans. Okay. Right. So that gives some context, but it, it comes across as also like, I'm just going to stay away from this lady. Yes. You're immediately like, I don't, (laughs) I don't think we should. I'm really glad that I didn't take that drink. Yes, (laughs) Yes, exactly. <laughs> Whatever yes. you were offering us probably wasn't something we wanted. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so Nancy finds a uh, a receipt mm-hmm. in the fireplace uh, for this place called Zeke's. 
uh, and it has the receipt number on it. So she calls her friend Bess, who she traveled to New Orleans with, who is back at their hotel. And um, she asks Bess to look into this receipt uh, and tells her the name of the shop. And uh, Bess <laughs> goes, oh, well, no shit. That's literally <laughs> across the street from our hotel. <laughs> what a dink! I can see it from our balcony. <laughs> uh, which is yeah. just, I love the the convenience of that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we send Bess down and it turns out it's a receipt for like a curios shop, which mm-hmm. if you've ever been to New Orleans, I highly recommend finding one of these and going into it because... yes. There's just weird stuff and in the best kind of weird stuff. Yes. Yeah. And there's this man who runs the place named Lamont. Lamont. Yes. Lamont is, he's kind of like a doofus. He's a a bit of a doofus. (laughs) We we get one over on him multiple times in the course of this game. But he's very goofy and kind. And he obviously... He lets you know that he liked Bruno Belay for his collection of oddities Mm -hmm. because he's a collector. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Bess asks him about the receipt and he's like, oh, sure, I'll tell you. And he he looks it up and he's like, oh, yeah, that was uh, I I bought a box of stuff from Bruno Belay. And that's what that receipt's for. Um, But I can't tell you any more than that. Right. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> and I so obviously Bess has to figure it out on her own. And I first off, I love that we play as Bess in this game. I really love a Nancy game where you get to switch to different characters other than Nancy. Yes. And, and Bess is a recurring character. She's like one yes. of Nancy's best, best friends. Right. Yes. And I love how reluctant Bess is to Snoop. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Nancy's like. I need you to go find out what was in the box. And Bess is like, you want me to snoop? (laughs) Yeah. She's like, you want me to go down, take a receipt number that I don't actually have the receipt, just the number and go ask to be told what this receipt is for and like have no proof or evidence that like it's any of my business whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) Nancy's like, yep, yep. (laughs) no problem. Call Please, me when you're done. <laughs> and Bess agrees because she's like, well, you're never going to give this up. So I will get to hang out with you sooner if I do this for you. Yes. <laughs> she's such true. a good friend. She is, honestly. Bess is, Bess is great. I love her. So in order to distract Lamont from the front counter, she decides... She decides to take some sneezing powder that he has in a cabinet and create this entire Rube Goldberg contraption so that if Lamont comes over and he sets it off, at the end of it, sneezing powder gets sprayed into his face and he has a sneezing fit. And when we say sneezing fit, we mean this man, (laughs) unattended, untreated, would need to go to the hospital. (laughs) We fuck him up. Like, it's bad. You, like, he ends up in a sneezing fit, and he needs you to go get his, like, allergy nose spray from uh-huh. the, the back room, right? Yes. Nasal spray, yeah. Yeah, and you're like, oh, yeah, sure, no problem. And so, you know, you go back there, and you're snooping around. And, like, the whole time you're, like, snooping. You, you do just a whole in, puzzle in that you, time. You're back there yeah. for a while. And the entire time this man is... Literally struggling to breathe. <laughs> he's 
<laughs> you hear in the back, like just constant <laughs> sneezing. Like he is not functional. Um, oh my poor God. man. <laughs> I know. I feel so bad. I think the Rube Goldberg contraption is honestly so unnecessary, and it took us so long to to figure it out. That puzzle, putting things in the right places. Mm-hmm. In order for it to function. And then you send him on a like 15 minute long sneezing fit. And you're just like, this wasn't worth it. <laughs> yeah, no, this was not worth it. Um, but in the back, Bess finds the box of stuff that he bought from Henry Belay and it's or from Bruno Belay. And it's um one of those skeleton costumes, like the person at the very beginning who who knocked Nancy out. Um, you find an old box with a like a photo of Henry. I'm sorry, I keep saying Henry of young I know. Bruno. I know Bruno Ballet. His like childhood dog, and then there's this box that's got a passcode on it that you have to find the passcode for, um, and a letter. Yes. And yeah, and so it's one of those like word puzzles where you have to kind of count the letters in order to to unlock this box, which Kendall. Gave me some good insight, which I don't know if you know this. Um, so I remember the first time we played this game, I got really annoyed because we were like expecting it to spell something. Yes. Yes. We kept trying to put in the dog's name because you can see a little bit of the dog's name. Or maybe we kept trying to put in Bruno. There was some writing on the picture that we kept trying to use and we were getting so frustrated that it wasn't accurate. Right. So you keep coming up with theories about like, okay, well, maybe this is the code. This is how you use the code. And these are the letters. And you would expect the passcode to to like spell something. So every time we would get a certain ways into it with that theory mm-hmm. and it didn't spell something, we'd be like, oh, we're this is wrong. We're doing it the wrong way. Yes. Um, but it turns out that seemingly it's just a series of random letters. Um, right. But it's yeah. not a series of random letters. Wait a second. It's not? It totally is. What do you mean? So I had the, I had it written down in my notes uh, as I was solving it. And Kendall walks up and he goes, oh, that says life and death. What? No, it doesn't. It says Leben und Tod, which in <gasps> German is life and death. Oh, my God. <laughs> Blew my mind. I was like, oh. <laughs> Why is like it German just, and not I know. French? I don't know. I guess they just it worked out where they were like, oh, we can do this. There's no, there's nothing in this game that alludes to any connection to German no. at all. So it's a weird choice, but like it made me feel better it, it, to, to a certain extent that it did actually spell something. <laughs> I cannot believe. Wow. Uh, so in the box, we find, what was in there again? So um, inside the box is, it, the box is empty, but it's like cushioned. It's like one of those really fancy boxes where you put something really valuable inside of it. So it's got the imprint of a skull, but nothing oh, right, is right, right. there. Yeah, it's it's empty. So Bess gives Nancy a call and she's like, there's this skull imprint, but it's gone I don't know. That's all that was in there. You know, what's up with that? That's pretty damn creepy. <laughs> yes. Uh, it turns out that Bruno Bonnelet had a crystal skull, which yeah. uh, it's called the Whisperer is what this particular mm-hmm. skull is called. There's this whole legend of these skulls that you'd come to find out. They're highly, highly valuable if it can be confirmed that it's real. Right. Because they were made 
centuries and centuries ago. Mm-hmm. And they're supposedly like the real ones are pure quartz. Right. And you can tell a fake by microscopic detail. You can see that it was used or it was created with modern tools and instruments. So mm-hmm. basically if it's perfect, then it was it's real and it was done a long time ago. Right. Uh, but yeah, so you find out that his skull supposedly had magical powers and made the owner immortal, which already disproven. <laughs> yes, right. Yeah, so we learn all of this stuff through a book that we find, which is written by none other than Professor Hotchkiss. <laughs> oh my gosh. A classic Nancy <laughs> Drew character. Yes, at least she, in the games. I don't know if she's, she's iconic. Yes. The first time you meet this woman is in a different Nancy game, but she orders and proceeds to eat like 50 chicken wings <laughs> by herself, which <laughs> is just, it's a moment. And I, this, this woman, she's amazing. <laughs> she never remembers Nancy's name. So the whole time no. you're on the phone with her, she calls you like Francie and anything but Nancy. Right. Yes. And her, the voice actress for this woman is just amazing. She's having so much fun. I can't even recreate it. Like, oh, I can't do it. <laughs> she does. It's such mm. a like high pitched, like crazy. She just sounds like a crazy old lady. Like <laughs> she does yes. in the best way. And I love her so much. <laughs> Me too. Yes. So she's a expert on French history. And she lets us know that if the crystal skull, the whisper is real, then it would be worth millions of dollars and she says that it's got kind of a seedy past like if people actually believe that it grants immortality obviously other people want it so it's got a long line of murder throughout its life yes all the previous owners that we are aware of have died by murder uh, uh, by murdered um so the skull has passed hands only through homicide. And what do you know, Bruno Bollet just passed away. And yeah. so we think, well, maybe we should look into this heart attack that right. he's had. Yeah. Because that sounds like a little bit suspicious. Very suspicious. <laughs> she says that Bruno told her, quote, the eyes have it. End yes. Quote. And they spell it in the captions A-Y-E-S, as in the yeses have it, like if there was a vote having, like that sort of saying. Right. And yeah, throughout, I think at this point in the game, you've already started finding them, but like throughout this game, you keep finding and collecting eyeballs. Glass eyeballs that you presume Bruno Bollet wore in his eye socket. Right. And they're all pretty creepy. I personally, like, I really love, like, an Easter egg hunt. Yes. Uh, So this aspect of the game, right up my alley. I love, like, if you, it is a delight for me as a person if you tell me there are X amount of this item in this room and you have to find them all. Challenge accepted. I love that shit. 100%. Especially if there's puzzles to get to them. Yes. It's so, it's just so satisfying for whatever reason. Yes. I totally agree. Um, It's creepy as hell. That you're finding eyeballs, but it is very satisfying to get an eyeball. (laughs) Yes. Which is weird. I also really love about this game that for the most part, it's not linear. 
like the story is linear, but you can solve the most of the puzzles in whatever order. Yes, agreed. I, I enjoy that as well. It can be frustrating in Nancy Drew games. You'll sometimes find a puzzle that looks really like it'll be really fun to solve, but you don't have what you need to solve it until right. much, much later. And so it just kind of taunts you for most of the game. Yes, for a long time. And this game is good about, yeah, when you find a puzzle, a lot of them you can just go ahead and solve. Just do. Yeah, I I really love that about it. And there's just, there's so many puzzles in this one and they're all very stimulating and well done. And some of them are actually really hard. Yes. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so you... um. You do end up getting that piece of paper uh, out of her creepy bedroom and some right. charcoal <laughs> out of the fireplace. And right. you take it out to the crypt in the cemetery and you solve a little puzzle and you get into this crypt eventually. And you find uh, that one of the portraits from the, the creepy living room that we were talking about that was missing is hidden inside this crypt. And it is, uh, it's Henry's parents, right? So it's, it's Bruno's parents. brother yeah. and his wife. When you walk up to it, Henry is outside in the pouring rain, sobbing. He's having a very emo moment. He is, <laughs> he, like, I feel like he thinks he's in a music video. <laughs> <laughs> yes. They give him that vibe. They, like, give him the goth-style clothing. and He's a little yes. apathetic, you know. He's really nice, but... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so he is literally like on his knees in the pouring rain <laughs> in front of his parents' crypt, just like, oh, like, <laughs> the voice actor really goes for it. Yes. <laughs> and Nancy's like, oh my God. <laughs> is he okay? <laughs> and then you get in and you find pictures of his parents and you see their graves in there and you're like, oh, this, this is his family, his parents. And it, it all makes sense. But yeah, at first you're like, what the? Okay. <laughs> so yeah, you take that that portrait back into the living room and solve a little puzzle with the portraits, moving those around. Uh, and it opens up a secret passageway. We which love a secret passageway. You'll love to see it. This yes. It's a very common thing in Nancy Drew games to the point where the ones that don't have some sort of secret passageway or tunnel or like yeah. secret room. It's a letdown. It's a letdown. You legitimately feel disappointed. So yeah. <laughs> this one's really creepy. It's like between the walls of the home. It's got a peephole. Pe there's a peephole yep. right away where you're like, love a people. Actually hate a peephole. <laughs> yeah, it's awful. I don't, I hate it. It's very unsettling. Uh, so it, it's pointed into the study, the room that Henry's in. Mm -hmm. And um, you can like zoom in with this people on a really specific book on the shelf. So of right. course you go, you, you know, it's, it's the go game up. telling you, go yeah. look at that book. And you get an eye from it as you're adding to your collection. Mm -hmm. But then while you are back in this secret passageway, you overhear Henry on the phone and you surmise that he's talking to his girlfriend named Summer. Now, you never meet Summer. And this is the only conversation that you really hear about her. She's a grade A gold digging bitch. She's a horrible person. He's apologizing to her the whole time that they're yeah. on the phone together when you're overhearing the conversation. And from his end, he's like, I'm so sorry. I'm just so sorry. I, I just don't have that money right now. Oh, but like, but I will have it. And yeah. like, you, it's just, it's a weird conversation to overhear. You can't really tell like 
what's going on or what she's asking of him. Mm-hmm. But you can tell that he's very much trying to ingratiate himself with her and yes. and to make it seem like he has money. Right. Like you imagine if she was there in person, he'd be like on his knees, like, please don't leave me. I will give you whatever you want or I will die mm. trying. Yes. You, I think you end up almost immediately like asking him about it. And I just feel so bad for him. And I he know. tells you that, oh, yeah, she she keeps making me buy things for her, like expensive high value yeah. items like TVs and just like all these electronics and stuff. And she's just absolutely taking advantage of him. Yes. 100%. He says that she's his first girlfriend and he doesn't think that he'd find another sad emo boy. Mm. Uh, so he wants to give her anything that she wants and is still afraid that she's going to leave him. I'm like, no, nah, I right. think he's buying her shit. She's not going to leave. No. Um, but I think that's the point is that like his funds have dried up to a certain extent, but he is going to be receiving 30% of this mm-hmm. estate. So I think right. she's like holding out, holding out and yeah. like making it known that she expects him to, to spend a lot of that money on her. Yeah. Which is you learn is why he sold off a box of Bruno's things to the curio shop. Correct. Yeah. And he says he just threw some stuff in a box and sold it. And I'm like, so, you know, the box had an imprint of a skull. So you can kind of assume that it used to have the crystal skull. Can you imagine if the crystal skull was in there and he just sold that box to him to Lamont for like 300 bucks and the skull is worth millions. Yeah. It's a fuck up. It's a real fuck up. <laughs> I mean, yeah. get your things appraised before you hawk it to a curious shop. <laughs> yes. 100%. If you think something might be valuable. I mean, he probably couldn't get into the box. So, you know, <sighs> but oh, still. That's true. Yeah, it was locked. I would just pick up something else, you know. Yes. If if there was a locked box that was like clearly like a fancy box, I was just like, I don't know what's in here. I'll I'll just put something else in this box that I'm selling. Right. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I don't know. He messed up. He did. Yes. Yeah. Behind the behind the walls, there's the secret area with the peephole, and then you go up some creepy stairs. Yeah. And at the top, there's a door with like a spider web symbol on it and uh this leads you when you get that door open to the creepiest yep room yep in the game maybe ever potentially in any of the nancy games like this room mm-hmm. stands out as like creepy as hell it's awful like there is it's just a collection of crap but the first thing oh, you see God. is a ventral like a ventriloquist dummy dummy Ugh, it's awful and like i'm not scared of clowns like they don't really bother me like they they like really really bother some people mm-hmm. i don't find them scary but i do find them like strange and weird and like i yeah. even as a child was never like well pleasant. i wasn't scared of them i wasn't like amused by them at all right yeah just ventriloquist dummies and clowns and stuff like i don't think they're inherently scary but i just think they're weird and creepy and just this dummy just sitting there is like sets the mood for this whole room where you're like okay i don't like it in here (laughs) it's it's the eyes on dolls and dummies for me the fact that they're like always watching you is what gets me but it's like a pirate dummy so it only has one eye 
Other things in the room, there's a skee-ball game. And (laughs) Hannah texted me earlier in this week because we replay the game to write notes and stuff for the podcast. And she texted me and she said, what did you say? I I think I said, like, I just lost my mind playing this. Like, I think I I just did a played a puzzle or something in this game. And I just it made me lose my mind. Yes. And then you said (laughs) right after you saw we you did a puzzle that I you remember us losing our mind the first time that we played it. And so I was like looking out for that because you played that part of the game before me. I was looking out for what you could have been talking about. And I got to the skee ball machine and I was like, this is it. (laughs) (laughs) It brought me to my wits end. (laughs) Yeah. And there's no logic. It's not a logic puzzle. It's just a there's no answer. Yeah. You just have to do it. So it's not like there's just there's no way like to skirt around this. It's and it's pain. It is pain. Um, uh, it took me forever. I was very annoyed. And then I immediately, you like get the eyeball finally and you turn around and I opened, there's a book on the desk behind you. And I opened up this book and I was like, oh my God. Cause it was, <laughs> it's a bunch of nonsense and you can tell that it's like stuff that's going to help you solve like yeah. multiple puzzles. Yeah. So in the majority of Nancy games, if not all of them, You find at some point a journal, a diary. This one is in the form of short stories. You find it written by basically whoever's life you're trying to figure out. And it's chock full of clues that you're going to need for future puzzles. And so you open this one up and it's a collection of short stories, but they make absolutely no sense. And it's not obvious. Some of them are very ambiguous. Uh, yeah. And I, I opened that up and I was like, oh boy, I remember us losing our <laughs> minds. It's a lot. Okay. So before we leave this creepy room, um, you like open up this cabinet that has an octopus painted on the front and Nancy puts the eyeballs in it. She assumes that that's where they go. And the very first time you put the eyeballs in, you've only got like six and there are 25 spaces right. for eyeballs. You, you're like, oh, I have six eyeballs. Like, oh, it's there's good. probably like maybe 10 that I need to collect. And then, yeah, Nancy's <laughs> like, let's see how far along we are. And she puts the eyeballs <laughs> she has already in there. And it's like, like oh, not my God. <laughs> oh, my God. There's so, so many left. So many. Oh, and you're just like, how the fuck are we going to find all? <laughs> I don't it's it's a little bit disconcerting at first it is but I mean you know several puzzles will give you more than one and you know time flies by but (laughs) when I put them in even on the replay I was like shit (laughs) there's so many more to go agreed it shocked me again because I was like I remember there being a bunch but it's still I was like oh there were a lot a lot (laughs) many many So, yeah, apart from this book that has all the little puzzle clues in it, you find a little desk calendar book that shows um, once a month, Bruno Bollet has written, uh, there's like a skull and crossbones on a random Mm -hmm. day each month. And then like next to each skull and crossbones, he'll have like something random written down next to it, which none of them really go together. So you're thinking like, okay, this is some sort of like, password or clue that goes along with this yeah is is there anything else in this room that you find um 
Well, so on that calendar, you realize that the skull and crossbones for the month of, I think it's May, is on the very day that Nancy is reading it. Yes. Nancy, yeah, she opens it up to the month and and goes like, oh my gosh, this one is today. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, Other than that, you see a vent and you see kind of a little wardrobe with a bunch of pet outfits. <laughs> but you right, don't with no really know what it's for at that point. Yeah. So, yeah. So Nancy leaves and she she goes around asking about like the skull and crossbones in the calendar. Mm-hmm. She she talks to Henry. She now thinks that. Mr. Bruno Bollet might have been murdered. So she asks, like, she asks for alibis and stuff. And that brings us to Bruno Bollet's doctor. Also his BFF. Yeah, Bruno's BFF. The doctor even tells us that (laughs) Bruno wasn't his BFF. Yeah, Um, he clarifies. (laughs) He does. (laughs) Which is embarrassing, even if you're dead. If your BFF is like, well... They aren't my BFF. I would be like, I will come haunt you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So Nancy calls this doctor and the guy on the other line is like, yeah, he's not in tonight. And Nancy is totally like, well, I have this person that recently passed and I just want more information about it. And she kind of like plays the I was close with him card, even though she's not. Mm. And he's like, oh, well, you can find him at his favorite gumbo shop in the French Quarter. If you want to go see him there, but I can't give out his number. And Nancy's like, cool, I'll call Bess. And boy, she calls Bess, who is sitting up on the balcony mm-hmm. of their hotel room mm-hmm. again. And she goes, yeah, I just need you to go to this this little gumbo shop. And I need you to talk to this this doctor who was, you know, present when Mr. Bollet passed away. He was there. And he was also Mr. Bollet's best friend. And she tells Bess the name of the gumbo shop. And Bess is like, oh, no shit. It's right across <laughs> the street from our hotel. What a quickie dink. <laughs> um, oh, so my God. You could literally see him sitting down there at a table eating gumbo as they're on the phone together. Yep. So Bess goes to talk to him. Yeah. And his name is Dr. Gilbert Buford. And he's a big old creepy creep. He immediately hits on Bess, like twice in a row, back to back. And he does it the the entire time that you're talking to him. And so he's like an older gentleman and he calls her young lady and he tells her she's pretty and whatever. And every time Bess giggles and I hate that... I hate that she giggles, but at the same time, it is realistic. Oh, yeah. You just like, ha, 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 and like, to like appease them. Right. So that they don't make these creepy comments. Murder you, you know, so that there's no retaliation. So it's just like, it's so cringy. And I just feel bad for Bess because I have been in that situation before and I really hate it. Absolutely. He, I mean, he quote says, I really like this spot because there's good food and a pleasing view, particularly now, I might add. And I, <gasps> I'm like, sir. Oh, God. It's no. so awful. Like, just, just maybe don't. <sighs> maybe don't. Maybe don't. But even Bess is like, she says something about how, like, he seems lonely and he's just, oh, he's such a nice man. And I'm just like, oh, honey, no. <laughs> yeah. Don't. Oh, honey, no. And I know these, this isn't meant to be like a progressive game. 
<laughs> with like femininity and whatever. But it just, I wish that she, I wish that the game developers recognized the fact that it's super creepy and that they had Bess recognize it too. Right. It, it'd be one thing if they wrote him creepy and then Bess was like, yeah, he's creepy. But yeah. Bess is just like, oh, he's so nice and he seems lonely. And I'm just like, no. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he says that he hadn't seen Henry in a while. He hadn't seen Bruno in a while. And he <laughs> stopped <it>. by <laughs> to check on him. Who, because Bruno apparently had kind of become a little bit of a recluse, mm-hmm. and so he he stopped by to see him, and he, oh, like the front door was unlocked. He kind of poked his head in and saw that Bruno was just laying in the floor in the foyer, like collapsed, and he had a letter in his hand. Just had a heart attack, and so he tries yeah. to revive him, but obviously it was too late. You also learn so to set that scene. Kind of Renee is in the library next to the entrance hall the foyer 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 i don't know and she hears him collapse so she comes in and then dr uh, buford like almost immediately comes in and she's like freaking out is what he says and he has to scream at her to call an ambulance and then he starts cpr and you know mm-hmm. they come and-, and he notes that you know he was not able to revive him but the emergency services came and that he noticed that the letter that Bruno was holding when he died was no longer anywhere to be found. It was on the floor next to him. And, you know, he was like, I just wasn't worried about it. I was doing chest compressions. But he's like, oh, yeah, come to think of it. I don't remember seeing it after the emergency services left with him on the gurney. Yeah. So we have a missing letter and we we go back and we ask Henry and Renee about it and (laughs) come to find out another oddity of Mr. Bruno Bollet was that he collected exotic animals as Which, pets. <clears throat> I do not recommend. Unless they Lauren are... has firsthand experience with this, <laughs> folks. I just... So I used to work in animal education with exotic animals. And my personal belief is that if you buy them from a pet store, it's perpetuating the pet trade. And the pet trade, all in all, is not very good. Um, And a lot of people that get them aren't prepared to, you know, appropriately take care of them. Care for, yeah. They're not ready. They don't do their research. They're not prepared. Yes. And so that animal ends up not having the best life. And often that's how invasive species get started is that someone gets an animal, they realize, ooh, I can't take care of this, or they don't have it properly enclosed, and then it gets out, and it populates that environment, and that's no good. Um, So while it is fun in this game, don't do it. (laughs) Don't do it. But also rescuing animals in the pet trade is good because you're offering them a good home if you do your research and you... If you know what you're doing, yeah. Even then, while it's fun in this game, this, so he, Mr. Bollet has a pet iguana. Yes. And this iguana apparently just like lives in the vent system of this house. Which is so unsanitary. (laughs) It's really unsanitary. It's not safe for the humans. It's not safe for the lizard. Yeah. It's not good. It's not good for anybody, which is a perfect example of like maybe why you shouldn't have an exotic pet that you Mm -hmm. can't care for. Yes. Agreed. This iguana, his name's Iggy. 
and he likes to steal paper and take it to his nest deep in the vents of this house. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And so you manage to see Iggy by going out into the garden and smoking out a bunch of wasps that are surrounding this guava tree that he just so happens to have. It's guava, right? It's a loquat. Oh, it's a loquat tree. Oh my gosh. Okay, I was totally wrong. So you get a loquat from the tree and then you go up to the secret room behind the walls and you put the loquat in the vent and that causes Iggy to come eat it and then he lets you dress him up. (laughs) (laughs) Which like, I just, it's just out of context. Sounds so silly. So weird. You've provided me with a low clot. I will allow you to put costumes on me now. <laughs> um, so depending on what you dress him up as, different things happen. You can dress him up as uh, an optometrist mm-hmm. and he brings you an eyeball. A mailman. You can dress man. him up as a mailman and he brings you this, this missing letter. And uh, you can dress him up as a pirate, which if you do that, he brings you a locked box that you eventually have to figure out how to get into it. Yes. You find a piece of paper with a clue on it that says, the last denizen buried on my guard will start you a hunting through the graveyard. What's written on the headstone will lead you to another and so on and so forth till tiny treasure you discover. Uh, That's so fun. (laughs) It's it's so great. Can you imagine this being like an escape room or a scavenger hunt and you get that and you're just like, I would be so, so excited. <laughs> so yeah, this part of this puzzle is really fun. It's a little bit it's tedious long. because it involves a lot of walking around. Yes. It's a lot of going back and forth. So the layout of the puzzle, you get a clue. So it starts with that clue. And then you go and look at the book of all of the people buried around the mansion. And it's a huge book. Like, I swear there's 20 pages of names that you can look at. Mm -hmm. Many, many, many names. The names, some of them are, what is it called? It's not a Mad Lib. It's a, is it a Mad Lib? Like, if you say the name out loud, it sounds like you're saying something else. There's, There's a board game called Mad Gabs, which is this concept where it's words made out of other words but when you say it out loud it sounds like you're saying something else so it's 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 a name it's a book of names and most of them are normal people names and then some of them are names like ben dover you know that that sort of thing where it's it's a name but it's also like a statement of some kind or like a pun in some way so do you have an example of one of the clues yes so you you go to the book and you find the last person who was buried uh, her name is Tammy Tasselman, and it tells you to go to her grave. So you go out into the cemetery, which is a long walk away from this book, mm-hmm. and you find her headstone, and the, the clue says, couldn't sleep without a peep, so when she died, we buried her deep. So then you have to go back to the book to the with book. that clue and try and find a name that has some sort of pun in some way that relates to like making noise or something like that and there's a name in the book called constance noring which you know when you put it together it's constant snoring (laughs) which is it's it's great it's really Uh, clever i really like all of them yeah so the the clue after that one is never early never late 
uh, and that is for just in time. Right. Yes. Uh, the next one is all dressed up with no place to go. And the person's name is Manny Kin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then there's one called Died in Debt. Uh, Always Owen. Owen. Owen Moore. Owen Moore, I guess. <laughs> yes. Uh, a stand-up person was Neil Down. This is, I think this is my personal favorite, is all that's left of me are these old bones. And uh, there's, the person's name is Myra Maines. Ugh. So it's good. So good. Myra Maines. <laughs> yes. Uh, bloomed yeah. too late, pruned too early is Rose Winterspring. And then uh, she would have given you the shirt off her back. And it's Polly Esther Gibbons. <laughs> They're all so silly. They're all so good. So, yeah, that's a that's a fun one. And then that leads you to Nancy needing the very last clue is same name as my dog at 10 moved from his grave and buried again. Uh, mm -hmm. so you don't know what his, but Bruno's dog's name was. So you need to call Bess cause she had that, she had seen that picture of Bruno, of little tiny Bruno and his, his dog. So you, yeah. you come to find out the dog's name was Grant. And so Nancy can look up and his name. do this by fucking up Lamont a second time. Oh my God. Yes. So Bess needs to get back to that box. Again. In the back room, which this man is not going to fall for the Rube Goldberg sneezing powder thing again. So you have to find some sort of way to get back into the back room. <laughs> so instead, you give him the shits. <laughs> this man, he's like, I love gumbo, but man, it really like the hot sauce. If it's too spicy, it really hits me in the wrong way mm -hmm. and gives me like really bad IBS symptoms. And Bess is like, you don't say. You don't say. And, like, immediately is like... You're so bad. You've been just been so nice tonight. Like, why don't I go get you a bowl of gumbo? <laughs> <laughs> why don't I make up for you having a sneezing attack where you sneezed out your guts by making you have a diarrhea attack? <laughs> <laughs> so she poisons him she with gumbo. And yeah, she gets the dog's name. Yeah, it's a grant. And so Nancy gets the final clue to her puzzle. And in the box at the headstone is another eyeball and a tiny little pirate hat which is like mm -hmm. oh okay i have to put this on iggy the iguana mm -hmm. and then that's when he gives you the little pirate box that you have to open right and uh, on the box it says um on the top of it the name that opens every jolly roger meeting opens mm. me yes and so okay so we kind of skipped over it a little bit. So in one of the conversations that you have with Dr. Buford as Bess, you find out that, or it might even have been a picture in the secret room, but either way, you find out that Bruno was a part of a crew called the Jolly Rogers crew. And if you don't know what a crew is, it's spelled K-R-E-W-E. -E, and it's, it's basically a club that organized Mardi Gras festivities um, I did really minimal research on this. It dates back to 1699, like a long time ago. Um, oh, wow. When Pierre Le Moyne de Iberville landed in Mobile. So it originated in Mobile, Alabama, and he threw a party on Fat Tuesday, and it kind of spiraled from there, and it got brought over to New Orleans, where now it's often you see crew floats in Mardi Gras parades. That started in 1857. And there's some really popular ones. And even from there, it's filed out. Like in my hometown, in Hannah's hometown of Pensacola, 
we have crews here. It's honestly, it's an excuse for adults to get together and party. Yeah, and they 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 just party together. Yeah. basically, it's yeah. it's a it's a little secret club, right? That's not so secret, and that they can party at. Yeah, um, and in in game in the Nancy game, Doctor Buford basically is like what? No, the Jolly Rogers don't exist. And he tells her that it's because the city of New Orleans wanted them to let everyone into their crew. And they were like, or they couldn't be in parades anymore. And they were like, well, we're not going to be blackmailed. And we don't want to let everyone in because we're too cool for everyone else. So they like unregistered themselves. And now they fly under the radar and they aren't a part of Mardi Gras, basically. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so Nancy surmises after looking at the calendar and and knowing that like, oh, okay, there's a secret society here and it's they're meeting today. What a what a coinky dink. Yep. Uh, <laughs> right across the Bess. street from Bess. And <laughs> why right across the street from Bess. And so she tells Bess, you I need you to put on a costume and infiltrate <sighs> this meeting. <sighs> Poor Bess that didn't even want to snoop. Yeah, I there is no way. Bess is no. such a trooper, but like I would, absolutely I would be like absolutely not. Mind not. your own business. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I think even Bess says she's she's on the phone. She's like absolutely unequivocally no. But okay, fine. You're not gonna come hang out with me until I do this. So I guess I'll do this. Right. Yeah. So. She infiltrates the meeting. Uh, they at the very beginning of the meeting, they chant the name Jean Lafitte over and over again. So that's Nancy's password to get into the pirate box. And um, they 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 find Bess. They in, end up. Yeah, she, she gets ends caught. Up getting caught. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it ends up being Dr. Gilbert Buford, who is the one who catches her. And he's in this crew. And right. he, and uh, Bruno Bollet was in this crew as well. So. Yeah. I remember when this part comes up, you know, you're watching the meeting from Bess's point of view and the main guy is dressed in red and the guy that knocks you out at the beginning is dressed in red. The skeleton man has like a red cummerbund like a sash or whatever or something. Yeah. yeah. And everyone, all the other skeleton people are blue. And so you recognize his voice and you're like, oh, it's Dr. Buford. And I remember thinking we got him like this is end game. But then in, I was also like, but we have a bunch of puzzles that we haven't solved yet. So this can't be end game. So what is going on? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then Bess gets caught and they're like, what are you doing here? And she's like, I did it. and Dr. Buford is just like, I'll explain everything. Just come out here with me. And it is like, fine. But when that is happening, I'm like, oh, this is it. He's the culprit. We got it. But no, but no, but uh, he's like, I'm sorry about when I knocked you out with, <laughs> yeah, with powder at the beginning of this. But uh, you know, we'll we'll get this all straightened out. Yeah, um, he says that he was asked by Bruno to put a picture of Henry's parents in their crypt where they are buried, so that Henry would be the one to find it, find all the clues, and hopefully he would get the crystal skull. There's no way. There's simply no way. No. <laughs> like, <laughs> <That's true. laughs> he, he, he could, I, like, the trying to picture the stressed out kid in the study who's, like, selling shit at random, 
like does not care like i the the idea of of him following all these clues and doing everything that nancy's doing is just very unrealistic this is not true not i think something that ever would have happened this this whole treasure hunt would have died with (laughs) with henry (laughs) with henry who probably never would have ever even put two and two together to realize that there was anything he should be looking for no and in henry's mind he tells you towards the beginning that his uncle had just shipped him off to schools camps like never spent any time with him so they weren't close at all why would he assume that his uncle is leaving him all these clues to get him millions of dollars. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's kind of a wild assumption that Bruno makes that like, oh yeah, this will this will make sure that my estate gets to the right people and that Henry will be set and just no. Just yeah, no. Just no. But so Buford also tells you that at some point he changed his mind and he was like, actually, I now suddenly believe in the hoodoo voodoo associated with the skull and I want to look for it. So he goes to the house trying to, you know, begin that journey and he dresses as the skeleton man, I guess, to be in disguise. Um, but once he knocks Nancy out and is like, has an oh shit moment, he mm-hmm. claims to ch- have changed his mind back and he's embarrassed by his actions and the fact that he ever believed that it could grant you immortality in the first place. Right. Yeah. So he has come around and decided that like, oh, okay, well, the, the skull may be valuable, but I don't know that it's necessarily like a magical object, but he apologizes and that's where you kind of leave it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the next thing that happens is that Nancy needs to find out uh, the letter that Bruno was holding when he died mm-hmm. and supposedly maybe is the, the cause of his heart attack. When she finds it, when Iggy the iguana brings it out of the vents to her. Right. Ridiculous. <laughs> it's <laughs> um, it's like an authentication letter saying mm-hmm. that he had sent the skull off to be authenticated by a service and that they had examined it and it had come back that it is a fake. And this is supposedly what triggered his heart attack. And Nancy asks Renee about it. And uh, she's like, oh, yeah, you know, like I, I heard about that, you know, and it's it's a fake. Um, that's a real shame. You know, she acts real like upset about it. But uh, Nancy does a little snooping of her own and calls this authentication service. Uh, tells Nancy, oh, yeah, you know, like we examined it and um, we let Mr. Bolet know that it was it's real. It's authentic and worth a lot, a lot of money. And, you know. We left it at that. Yeah. And Nancy's like, quite a no. plot twist. Yeah. Nancy's like, um, no, I'm holding the letter that says this is a fake. And he's like, oh, well, that is not the letter we sent. Something fishy is going on. And someone has switched out the letters. Mm-hmm. Who could have possibly Who done have such that? a thing? You, you follow the clues and use some things that you found along the way. Um, you put these items together and it turns into a key to unlock Bruno's crypt. Crypt, where you know he's not buried because he was cremated. Right. <laughs> it's, kind of, it's kind of funky. Yeah, and you use all of the eyeballs that you have been finding to do so. Like, you finally find all 25 of them. You put them in the thing. You do a little puzzle um, to get them in the right positions in the cabinet. And then it gives you the pieces 
for the key to open the crypt. So it all comes full circle. The eyeball that you get to like put on top of your little contraption is so creepy. It is. It's a really creepy looking eyeball and it's like it's like enveloped in like iron, like raw iron looking work, you know. Uh-huh. And it's all bloodshot looking and it's I it's very I don't like it. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> I, and you so it's <laughs> it's a lightning rod. No, it's like a fence rod thing. A skeleton arm. The crazy eyeball thing. And then it gets like struck by lightning, which you could spend years waiting oh, yeah. for that to happen. And this it would whole never happen. Key to unlock the crypt depends on you putting it all in place. And and then it has in order to function, it has to get struck by lightning. It, which like it's just ridiculous. It's, yeah, I mean, the odds of this happening uh, at all or in any sort of quick capacity are very low, which, of course, it happens like immediately. immediately. As soon as Nancy sets it up, it immediately gets struck by lightning and the crypt opens. <laughs> which, <laughs> sure, like, I'll take it. But, yeah, it's just right. not very realistic. But, yeah, like, when you think yeah. about it out of the context, you're like, what was his plan? Like, there has to be a better key system than, like, depending on a lightning strike. <laughs> yeah. I totally agree. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, the crypt opens up. And what do you know? The crystal skull is in there. So Nancy hops down in there, um, picks up the skull. And then as soon as she gets down there, pretty much the lid to the crypt starts like sliding closed on her. Yeah. Like automatically. Nightmare material. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's like buried alive situation happening. And... Uh, Renee shows up mm -hmm. and she's like, well, hi, <laughs> <laughs> darling, you're stuck in that hole. She's still playing okay? like the I'm the nice little groundskeeper uh -huh. lady Just card. Throw um, up what you're holding and I'll help you out. Right. So Nancy, which I'm like, Nancy, Fucking what the hell idiot. are you doing? Nancy just tosses oh up the God. crystal skull. She's so <laughs> obtuse. Which like, even if you like. At this point, you should suspect that it's Renee. Yeah, you should Nancy, know Nancy. A, and B, why are you tossing this priceless item that is presumably, I mean, it's made of quartz, but like, yeah, I was, I would assume that a lot of its like pricelessness comes from the quality of it and like how perfect it is. And so like, you're just tossing it around. Yeah. Like if I'm assuming if it gets scratched or like <laughs> cracked, like it's gonna devalue yeah. this thing. One hundred percent. It's it's ridiculous. She tosses it right up without a second thought. And of course, Renee is like, Well, thank you. Now you can just stay in there and die. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna leave you to die. Yeah. So she yeah. leaves us and we we do get stuck in there and we there's like a little uh matching puzzle that you have to solve. Yes. As the lightning flashes, which is, which is really kind of fun. cool. Yeah, it's a cool concept. Yeah, so it's it's not too bad. Sometimes the the very very end, are like, oh no, Nancy's gonna die. It's the end of the story. Puzzle can be really a ball ache, um, and this one's not bad at all. Like I preemptively saved the game. Yeah, uh, just in case it got really like and you like actually finicky. die. 
I don't even know yeah. if you can die in this one. I don't think I don't think it's on like a timer or anything yeah. like that. So yeah, this one was pretty kind. So you just do your little matches puzzle and then it um the crypt door opens back up and you mm-hmm. can escape. Okay. And uh, but you hear when you crawl out of the crypt, you hear like a little boat motor. Mm-hmm. Um there's a little offshoot that leads you to like a little little swampy yeah swampy spot that has a little boat dock uh and a log and if you bump this log an alligator shows up yes because yet again bruno bolet has decided to adopt this wild alligator and train it so that every time you bump the log it gets a marshmallow a marshmallow this man is feeding Okay, A, he's feeding wildlife. Don't feed wildlife. I don't care how cute they are. Don't do it. It's never good for the animal. No. Please. Especially if it's a fucking marshmallow. Don't feed alligators marshmallows. Don't feed anything. Don't feed them anything. But like for fuck's sake, if you're gonna if you're gonna be an asshole and feed a wild animal, feed it like meat. What are you yes. doing? Oh my god, I <laughs> I I can't believe it's canon in this game because okay, so this happens often, especially with alligators in Florida because the alligator population is kind of booming and they're everywhere, right? So if people start to feed them, they start to associate people with food and. It's not like it's a little bird. It's an alligator and it can fuck you up slash kill you. So they're not scared of humans anymore if they're being fed. And if you don't feed them, they can then become aggressive towards you. So Mm -hmm. it's just all around bad. And this goes for all wildlife. If you start to feed them and they start to depend on you, then they lose their ability to find food for themselves. So if you're like Bruno Bollet and you die... This alligator is out there starving because he hasn't had any marshmallows in a few weeks. Right. <laughs> so it's all very ridiculous. Yes. But the whole concept is that Bruno's been training this alligator. And so as Renee is making her escape on the boat with the skull, you tap the log and summon the alligator and he attacks her boat basically Mm -hmm. she gets scared yeah she she gets spooked and throws the skull up in the air and it goes straight down the the alligator poor alligator (laughs) which is absolutely gonna kill this alligator yes it's not the alligator is gonna die in real reality like this alligator is gonna die there's no way his little system can process a big ass quartz rock skull yeah like there's no way and anyway so but he's he swallows it and swims off into the swamp and And they have a cute little nod to him in her end letter and i'm like no nancy that alligator died yeah he's dead there yeah like she she says something she says something like oh yeah bernie's still out there i'm like no No. bernie's dead she says that bernie disappeared and i'm like that's because bernie's dead bernie bernie died (laughs) (laughs) i thought the exact same thing um yeah, oh so I mean, that's gosh. pretty much how it wraps up is like the crystal skull is lost down the bowels of this alligator who swims off and, you know, Renee gets caught. She doesn't get the skull. And that's kind of like where the story wraps up, which, you know, as far yeah. as like the whole mystery as as a story itself, I think is really like I like I like the legend of the skulls. I really like 
you know, like, was it real? Was it not? If it is real, like, what does that mean? Yes. Where is it? Yeah. And also, like, was Mr. Bolay murdered for this skull? Was he not? I love that you, like, right. look into his potential murder and it doesn't mm-hmm. end up being a murder. But I like the concept of, like, oh, maybe he was murdered for this skull. Yes. I think it all works really well. I, I like the overall story of this one. And I think it is very intriguing. I totally agree. And the setting is really hard to be. And I don't know if it's because we are very nostalgic for New Orleans. Like we went there growing up or if everyone feels that way, but it's so, it's like the perfect blend of cozy and creepy. And the puzzles are great. It just, it ticks all of the boxes that you want from a, mystery puzzle point and click game Mm -hmm. well just from any mystery in general like i think yeah uh, the genre like i think the quintessential mystery is set somewhere like that you know it's set somewhere that's like kind of at first appearance is quite cozy and like comfortable but like as you peel off the layers Mm. it gets creepier and more mysterious and like i think even if you're unfamiliar with new orleans if you've never even been there I think you can really appreciate the setting for this game because it Mm -hmm. just, it provides such personality to everything around it um, and really enhances the whole story in a way that not every setting for every mystery story does, you know, sometimes it's very generic or something like that, but yeah, I totally agree. And if you haven't been to New Orleans, definitely go should be on your list. It's very, yes. Go learn all the history, eat all the food. Yes. Experience the culture and the music and everything. Mm -hmm. So I would like to read Nancy's closing remarks on this case because I know we'll probably usually end with that, but there's a lot to it and I would like us to discuss it. Okay. Yes, please. (laughs) Okay. All right. So she says... Renee burst into tears and sobbed as Bernie swam away with the crystal skull. It almost made me feel sorry for her for about two seconds. After all, while she may not have meant to cause Bruno's death, she certainly meant to cause mine when she left me sealed up in that crypt. Word. Yes. She tried to murder you. She definitely did. It was <laughs> attempted murder. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it felt good to turn her over to the police. Later that night, Dr. Buford came over and apologized for knocking me out me out with that smoke bomb and for allowing himself to think even for a moment that Bruno's crystal skull was anything more than a pretty piece of quartz. To make up for his shameful behavior, he insisted on taking Bess and me on a grand tour of New Orleans. <clears throat> Seeing the city. <laughs> I can't. I can't. <laughs> That's this man's dream is to get like right. two young girls this this man's probably in his like late 60s early 70s and these two like he's showing these two 20 year old girls around new orleans i'm just i know i hate it i hate it i don't i I hate it it's yeah it's (laughs) i feel concerned like even though you know he's not really a threat right he's just such a creep that i feel genuinely worried for their safety yes Ugh. They'd be better Ooh. off two 20-year-olds, I think, alone exploring New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> he just, like, uh. reeks of, like, doctor that has decided he can act however he wants to because yeah. nobody can, like, touch him. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ugh. Anyways. It's very Nancy icky. does not have our view of it. She says, <laughs> seeing the city through the eyes of someone who loves it as much as Dr. Buford was truly special. <clears throat> he invited Henry too, but Henry declined. He was still trying to process the fact that his great uncle wanted him to have the skull. Henry always thought that to Bruno, he was nothing more than annoying family obligation, someone Bruno couldn't care less about. Yet Bruno's request of Dr. Buford, made in his dying breath, proved that he did care about Henry. Apparently, and unfortunately for Henry, Bruno was the type of man who just couldn't bring himself to say such things out loud, which is so sad. Oh, man. Freaking toxic masculinity. Yes. Men cannot express any emotion. No. Without be, like being criticized for it. It's so, it's such a shame. Like It is. <sighs> and this kid has grown up feeling neglected and unwanted, literally just because his uncle couldn't bring himself to like act like he cares about him that's so messed mm-hmm. up it's very sad yeah it's it's sad on both parts because i'm sure his uncle felt like he wanted to express his love for him but also felt like he wasn't allowed to do that mm-hmm. yeah and that's very sad it is and his like resolution to that made after he's already dead is to give him a bunch of money and because honestly but not explain anything yes to him. Not explain why he wants to give him that, but I feel like men are taught from a very young age that their role in society is to make money and provide for people they care about, not to be there for them, just to give them money. (laughs) Just, yeah, just to provide, which it's just upsetting in general. Like, I just feel so awful for both of them. Mm Mm-hmm. Because both sides of that coin are so sort of tragic. Um, And I just feel so bad for Henry, who's just like, now he's alone, like doesn't Mm -hmm. have any family left. And he just finds out that the one family member he did have left actually really, really deeply cared for him, but Mm -hmm. was never able to tell him. And it's just, it's very sad. Um, (sighs) Yes. He's stuck. He's just stuck with Summer. And we do not get any resolution resolution. on the Summer situation. It's never brought up again. And... I'm like, I need Nancy to follow up with him in like the credits or something. And yeah, be like, hey, I need confirmation that he broke up with her. Ditch her. Yeah. <laughs> she is toxic. Yeah. Yes. But <laughs> I totally agree. As we all know, or if you're a Nancy Drew fan, you know that Nancy is not who you're going to go for for like how to break up with someone advice. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> it's like, Okay, so (laughs) Hannah has a a Twitch channel, go watch it, where we have played all of the Nancy games and we constantly make fun of Nancy Drew's relationship with Ned Nickerson, Mm. her They're terrible for each other. They're not terrible for each other, but they are just like a really bad match. Uh, It's a whole thing. It is a whole thing. But yeah, Nancy really just needs to, they need to break up. Like one of them- needs to break up with the other but they are both very clearly the sort of people who like aren't the type to break up with someone Mm -hmm. they'd rather just sort of like be strung along or string someone along yep (laughs) if you're wondering nancy strings ned along and ned is being strung along very okay with it (laughs) he seems like he's he's okay with it it seems like he's aware and is just like i guess this is how it is (laughs) she's cool so i'm gonna let her treat me like dirt yeah anyways it's it's hard to watch it develops over the course of like 30 video games so it's a whole saga (laughs) right 
Anywho. Any hoops. <clears throat> As for Lamont, when he heard what happened, he closed his shop. Stupid. Bought enough marshmallows <laughs> to fill a swamp boat. No. Oh my God. <laughs> and has been scouring the bayous ever since, kicking every log he comes to in the hopes of finding Bernie and the crystal skull inside him. But Bernie has yet to turn up because he's dead. Because he's dead at the bottom of the swamp. <laughs> Nancy says maybe the skull didn't agree with him or maybe swallowing it caused him to stop associating the sound of a kicked log with yummy sweet things. No, Nancy, he definitely died. He definitely died. Maybe he was able to like regurgitate it, but mm. I Wishful doubt thinking. it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. In any case, the whisperer has disappeared, lost to the world once again, which is totally fine by me. Well, there you have it. There you have the it. The legend of the crystal skull. Shall we rate it? Oh, yes, we shall. So we have a five star system, it's our yes. little rating system. Five being like, great, it's perfect, no notes, and one being like, we just, this basically shouldn't exist, no <laughs> no recommendation from us, Regret hard pass. playing, reading, yeah. Yeah, we regret, yeah, it, it was a waste of our time yeah. in some form. So I rated it a four, okay, I'm just going to say it, a 4.75 out of five. <laughs> Because so specific. <laughs> okay, we only we're only going out of five, so I feel like I can't like go for a five, and I feel like four <laughs> is too low. And honestly, I've got it. I've got blinders on because it's a Nancy Drew game, and we have played every mm. single Nancy Drew game. So I'm honestly rating it out of the Nancy Drew games in my mind, um, more so than just like a mystery in general. Between both of us, like when we ranked our Nancy Drew games, it was in the superior category. It was like our um, collective favorite. Yes, collective favorite. Yes. And it's just so good. I love the vibes. I love the puzzles. The characters are good. Yes. Everything about it. The only reason I took points off was because I think the reason for Nancy being there is completely unrealistic. It's like this, this is stupid. That's valid. And in a couple times, you can get a little lost in the weeds. But otherwise, ugh, I love this game so much. And if you haven't played it, what are you listening to us for? Go play it. Yeah, I think for my rating, I'm also rating it um, within the context of what it is and what it's trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not I'm not going to be rating it against, you know, like the greatest mystery stories of all time. Right. I'm I'm. I'm rating it for like what it set out to do and how well it accomplished that. And I also am going for like, I think it's like 4.5 to 5 for me. Like okay, I, so 4.75. It has its, <laughs> yeah, it has its, it has its little hiccups here and there. Mm-hmm. But overall, I think the story is sound and intriguing and it keeps, it has layers that get peeled off that mm-hmm. keep you more and more interested. And I think the characters are memorable and, you know, the music's good. The setting's yes. good. Like everything I want out of a mystery experience was was had here. Yeah, I think it's worth your time. I think I can't speak for the book if there's an equivalent book. Right. But <laughs> if you're a Nancy Drew fan, check it out. It's fun. These games are a nice little cozy way to spend an afternoon and get a cup of tea. And it's just a, a chill time to be had. Mm-hmm. I definitely recommend it. For anybody. Yes, totally agree. And I would like to leave us with the lingering question 
from this entire game that is still in my mind. What was in the drink that we get offered? Oh my God. <laughs> at the beginning. Oh, so this has been Senior Detectives. Thank you so much for listening today. Please join us next time. We're going to be talking about the Thursday Murder Club, which is a novel written by Richard Osman. It's a little mystery, murder mystery set in small town England. So it's a delight and I can't wait to talk about it with you. Bye. Have a good one, folks. Bye-bye.